Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. It's good to be with you today. It's good for us to be together in this way, whether we're here in this room or watching and listening online. If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. We will continue our journey, our movement through the book of Acts. At the end of Acts chapter 7, when Stephen is stoned, you remember that story from last week. That leads to what Luke describes as a great persecution breaking out against the disciples in Jerusalem, so that at the beginning of chapter 8, they are scattered from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria, the surrounding regions around the city. And those disciples who are scattered, they take with them the good news of Jesus, and they share the gospel with those living in those regions. One of those disciples is named Philip. And he finds himself, in verse 4, chapter 8, he finds himself in the middle of the action in Samaria. He's sharing the gospel, and people are responding. And then a little later on in the chapter, in verse 26, he receives a strange command. I say it's a strange command because it's a command for him to leave Samaria, where he's enjoying tremendous evangelistic success, to leave the middle of the action and to go to the middle of nowhere, to travel to a deserted road leading to a deserted city that had been destroyed and left in ruins decades before, from the middle of the action to the middle of nowhere. Philip obeys this command. And in verse 27, we read that on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. There are several noteworthy details about this traveler that Philip meets on this road in the middle of nowhere. First, he's Ethiopian, which means he has black or dark skin. It also means he's a Gentile, a non-Jew. And it means that he is from a place that ancient historians frequently described as the end of the earth. He's from Ethiopia. He's also a eunuch. Which I guess now is as good a time as any to remind you that the Bible is an earthy book. 
which thankfully doesn't come with illustrations, but it does include some anatomical details about the human body that don't typically make it into polite conversation today. This Ethiopian man is a eunuch, which means he's been castrated or maybe fully dismembered, which was sometimes done to African eunuchs in that time period. It was a security measure for those who served in the royal court, and he is the treasurer of the queen. He's a well-to-do member of the queen's court. He's an Ethiopian eunuch who, third detail, is on his way home from Jerusalem after worshiping there which means he's likely a God-fearer. That's a special category of Gentile from the Jewish perspective, but a Gentile who believed in and worshiped the God of Israel without fully converting to Judaism by being circumcised. Now, if he had been fully dismembered, he couldn't have fully converted to Judaism even if he had wanted to, if you know what I mean. If you don't know what I mean, well, parents, you now have something interesting to talk with your kids about over lunch today. According to Deuteronomy 23, because he's a eunuch, he is excluded from the assembly of the Lord's people. Consider his situation. He goes to Jerusalem to worship. When he gets there, he can't go into the temple with the other worshipers. The best he can do is to go into the court of the Gentiles, the courtyard around the temple but he can't go inside. He's excluded. If he's going to worship the God of Israel, he'll have to do it from afar. He'll have to do it from the back row. He's a sincere worshiper, a sincere seeker of God. And yet he is being excluded by the rules and regulations of the very religion in which he wants to participate. Can you imagine what it would be like to be sincerely seeking God, to desire to worship God, and then to be told because of who you are or because of what you've done or because of what has been done to you or because of something that has happened to you, to be told, I'm sorry, You have to worship from the back row. You can't come any closer. You just stay there on the back row. Now, at this point, those who are sitting on the back row are beginning to squirm. The back row in this sermon is a metaphor. It's a metaphor for being excluded, for being rejected, for never feeling fully welcome and accepted by the people of God. A number of years ago, some family friends of ours attended a church in their neighborhood They were both divorced and had married one another. And when they attended that church, they were told by the church leadership, you are welcome to attend here. Everyone is welcome here. You can even support us financially. We will cash your checks. But that's as far as it goes. That's as involved as you can be. They were told they could attend, but they had to worship from the back row. Maybe you know someone who 
attends a church, maybe this one, maybe another church. They show up intentionally a bit late, and they always leave a bit early. And maybe they do sit near the back. And because of the way they feel about themselves or because of what they've been told about themselves by religious people, they, they'll never get involved. They'll be there every week. And they love God and they want to be a part of worship, but they'll never get involved. They'll never join a small group. They'll never be part of an organized ministry because it's all they can do to show up and barely worship God from the back row. Or maybe you know someone who would love to be at a gathering like this. They just can't make themselves walk in the building. I know of two different occasions when people almost visited a church where I was preaching. Both occasions, they drove into the parking lot and they parked there and sat there for a moment. And then they drove away. One instance, it was a single mother with three little kids. She desperately wanted God to be part of their lives, but she was so afraid of being rejected. She couldn't even make herself walk in the door and sit on the back row. Imagine what it would be like to be told you can come no closer. You belong on the back row. I'll pick up the story again in verse 28. It says, on his way home, the eunuch was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the way I see this story unfolding is, Philip runs up alongside this chariot as it's rolling down the road. You there, in that chariot, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, well, actually, fast-running stranger with incredible endurance, I do not understand. Can you explain it to me? Yes, I can, but only if you offer me a ride. And so he gets in the chariot with the eunuch, and they have a Bible study. The eunuch is reading from Isaiah 53, a passage about the suffering servant, and Luke tells us exactly what it is he's reading. Continuing in verse 32 from Isaiah Quoted in Acts, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. And in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. This is a passage about someone who suffers and dies unjustly and is deprived of descendants 
because of his untimely early death. Isn't it fascinating that this eunuch is dwelling on a passage about someone who is unjustly deprived of descendants? And he wants to know, he asks Philip, who is this? Is this the prophet? Is he talking about someone else? And in verse 35, Philip begins with that passage of scripture and tells him the good news of Jesus. And we don't know exactly what Philip told him. We do not know the content of his gospel presentation. We do not know how long it took. We do not know how long Philip was up there riding in the gospel chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch. We don't know. Maybe he began with Isaiah 53. And then he moved on just a little ways down in the scroll to Isaiah 56, which in verses 3 through 5 says, Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. We don't know exactly what Philip told him, but maybe he told him how Jesus was the righteous suffering servant of Isaiah 53. And then he moved on to say how Jesus reversed Deuteronomy 23 by fulfilling Isaiah 56. So now this eunuch and other excluded outsiders like him can be full-fledged members of the family of God. We don't know exactly what he said, but we know whatever it was, it hit home. The eunuch received it. We know this because in verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Consider this question from his point of view. Can I really be baptized? Can I really be initiated into this new thing centered on Jesus? Is this really for me? Me, as I am? I can be a member of the family of God? I don't have to worship from the back row anymore. And Philip in his presentation of the gospel says, there is no thing and no one in the world that can keep him from moving to the front row. And Philip baptizes him right there on the spot. And then the spirit sends Philip on another mission and the eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. And that's the end of their interaction as far as we know. Do you believe in divine appointments? I do. Or at least I try to most of the time. 
and I'm believing in one today. Because I know that some of you almost didn't come today. You almost didn't walk in the door. It happens every week. Sometimes it's internal resistance, it's your doubt, it's your shame, it's your embarrassment, it's those voices in your head that are telling you you're not worthy and it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's external circumstances. It's a schedule, it's someone who's discouraging you, it's an excuse that's always there, you're busy. Whatever it is, against all odds, today you overcame internal and external obstacles to walk in the door to be here. And God gave me the words to say. And God gave you the courage to come on in. And here we are on the same road. And we're on this road so that you can hear me say, whatever it is that makes you feel unworthy to be here, whatever it is that causes you to wonder if you really belong, whatever it is that has caused you to be banished by the rules and regulations of religion to the back row, Jesus has overcome it. And Jesus has defeated it. And there is nothing in this world that can hold you back, that can keep you from moving to the front row. So on the cross, Jesus was excluded so that you could be included. On the cross, Jesus bore the burden of your guilt and your shame, your embarrassment, your banishment, your exclusion, so that you never have to carry that burden again. And through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, Jesus has cut a path through the rules and regulations of religion leading straight to his table where he has saved a seat for you in the front row. Because at the table of Jesus, every seat is in the front row. It seems like now's a good time to go to the table, doesn't it? This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. Made ready for those who love him and those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. Come, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long. Come, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come, you who have been rejected and excluded and told to sit on the back row. Come, for it is the Lord who invites you. And it is his will that everyone who wants him and wants to be more like him should meet him here. Come to the table.
Join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your son, Jesus. The righteous suffering servant who bore our burdens, our guilt, our shame, our sin, taking it away from us so that we can be free. We thank you for his life, for his death, for his resurrection, and for his ascension. We thank you that he has made a way for us to join him at this table, to eat this bread and to drink this cup, and to remember and celebrate all that they mean to us. And it's in his name that we say thank you. And amen. This is the body of Christ broken for you. And this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Legend has it that the eunuch went home to Ethiopia and started a church. He took the gospel to the end of the earth, which is what Jesus said would happen at the beginning of Acts. And given the good news he heard from Philip and what he experienced, the welcome he received from Philip into the family of God, how could he not share that good news with others? How can we not share it? Maybe you made it here today, not just so you could hear this message for yourself. You're watching today, not just because you needed to hear this message, but also because this is a message that you can share with others. So this week, may God give you a chariot to chase down. And may God lead you to someone sitting on the back row who desperately needs to hear Jesus's invitation to move to the front row. And may the Spirit draw all of us closer to the heart of Christ, where we will never doubt that we are loved, that we are forgiven, that we are welcomed, that we are accepted and that we are included in the family of God. And to that end, let's stand and read this benediction together. Now, have you noticed how this benediction applies to every single message from this series? No matter what we talk about, it applies. Let's read and pray it out loud together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week.
Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.